My name is Bear Siragusa, and this is the Hunting Hound Podcast presented by W Hunting Supply. Join us as we go deep discussing hounds and everything hound related with the men and women from around the globe who've dedicated their lives to hunting with hounds. We ask them about the game they pursue, the breeds they run, and they get their insight into what it means to be a modern-day houndsman. I hope you enjoy this podcast. Leave us a comment and subscribe wherever podcasts are available. Holy cow, yeah. No, it's uh, <laughs> I'm trying to switch to this new this new program, and it's, uh, it, it's not always going that smooth. But, um, yeah, thank you so much for coming on. Not a problem at all. Not a problem at all. That got me out of the woods before it got too hot today. Gotcha. You were out. Uh, you were out hunting squirrels. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yesterday in the day. Okay. Excellent. Yeah, because that's that's how I found you in the first place. It was about a year ago. I started a um. A year ago, I had a I had a deer hunt ruined by a bunch of squirrels. Um. And it got me thinking, you know, there's a lot of people over in the States that, that, that hunt squirrels and put a lot of, put a lot of time and effort into it. And I thought that, you know, maybe I should look around and I asked around who should I talk to? And yours was the name that, uh, was sent back to me the most. And I, I contacted you, uh, probably a year, about a year ago asking about, um, cause we don't have curs or feists over here, but what we do have are those West Siberian Laika things. Right. And I knew that some people over there were uh, were hunting with those. But you hunt with you hunt with feists, is that right? No, I've got a West Siberian Lackey cross. She's crossed with a cur okay. and a West Siberian Lackey. Her, her daddy is a Lackey, and then I've got two uh, Trian Tennessee Brunels, which is in the cur line. The cur line, okay. That, but right. Basically, all three of my dogs are misfits. <laughs> well, those those are the best kind, you know. One of my, uh, you know, I I love I, I love the misfits. They're they they fit my personality be- beautifully. Uh, yeah, they what, do me too. What are the um? I, I guess let's just get right into it. What are the what are some of the differences you see between like do you do you see any difference between the the likeys and the uh, and the the Tennessee brindle curs you've got? Yeah, I uh, kept track of them yesterday and today, both knowing that we was going to do a podcast today and uh, reset their Garmin collars before each hunt. Mm-hmm. And yesterday, Annie traveled 8.24 miles on the hunt. Mm-hmm. And my smaller Trent Tennessee rental traveled 7.4 and my bigger tree in Tennessee Bell traveled 6.8. Oh, and wow. about the same results this morning, Annie being the West Siberian Lackey cross, she's a lot more active, moves faster, this and that. They basically all go the same distance from the truck. Mm-hmm. But Annie's hunting a lot more on the right and on the left and behind you. And uh, what I call cutting the woods up more so than the cur dogs. Sure. There, she's looking harder. Sure. Okay. That makes and, sense. And then, uh, once they do get a track worked out and they find the track, my cur dogs open on the track a good bit, meaning they sound off, they bark, uh, and you can hear them better. Annie just hits a little, uh, high pitched squeal now and again through that. 
and then once they tree, um, my cur dogs roll over to a good, solid, steady chop mm-hmm. on the tree, and they pretty much keep their toenails on the tree. They don't get any further than four, five, six foot off the tree, and then they're right back on the tree, turning again. That's where Annie and the rest of the West Siberian lackeys, they'll back off a tree sometimes 30, 40 yards and watch up in that tree for that squirrel to move. And, of course, as you know, squirrels don't always stay in the tree they're in. They take off through the tops of trees, sure. move from tree to tree, and we call, we call that timbering. Now, the squirrel timbers out. And the lackey dogs are a lot more apt to see the squirrel timbering and to follow it 200, 300, however many yards it goes. Mm-hmm. And until it settles in a tree, the lackey will be dancing under it and sounding off as it goes, more so than the curves. Is that right? Okay, gotcha. That's interesting. That's interesting. Over over here, they use them. Um, you know, I'm, I'm over in Norway, Mainer born and bred but moved over here with uh yeah married in norwegian and ended up over here um over here they use them uh quite a bit for moose but they also use them um for moose you know the moose hunting but then they also use them for what they call uh top hunting which they'll hunt these black grouse and the big uh caper calies um the big and um and yeah, they're so they're they they're reckoned to be a treeing dog over here as well, um, which is a, uh, but but not many people over here hunt squirrels, which I don't understand. I I wonder sometimes whether it's because of the type of squirrels that we've got over here. You know, we've got these kind of these little fox squirrels, the little you know pointy-eared, little the little tufts of yeah. fur on their ears, and you know yeah, they, the little reds, almost like a, what we call a fairy diddle over here. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, just a smaller, less than a pound weight. Yep, yep, yep. That's right. And uh, maybe I thought maybe that was maybe the reason why you know it's 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 far few and far between the oak trees we've got over here. So a lot of their a lot of their feed is uh, is going to be you know spruce pine cones and that kind of thing. Right. Yeah. Most of the fur diddles we have over here are around pine thickets and campgrounds. Has got the pines and all, and they are nuisance around the other campgrounds and what have you. Yeah. And of course they're not big enough to justify killing six and then trying to make a mess out of them. Right. Uh, the gray squirrels, the gray squirrels and the regular fox squirrels that we have here, meaning a regular fox squirrel, you know, here weigh three, three and a half pounds. It's not, there's a good bit of meat on them and the gray squirrels are, are a good bit bigger than the fairy diddles. So, right. you know, you get four or five of those and boil them in a crock pot and meat falls off the bone and, and then you fry it or make some dumplings stuff with it. It's real good eating over here. Oh yeah. I've had, There's I've stuff. eaten squirrel in the States before and it's, 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 I, I cannot believe that more people don't, don't eat it. It was one of the best things I've ever eaten. Really, really unbelievable. But when, uh, when did you get into squirrel hunting? When I was a teenager, which I'm 61 now, many, many years ago, I got involved in tree dogs, mostly coon dogs, and I got a tree in Tennessee Brennel at that time, and then uh, when he was loose around the house, he was treeing squirrels, so that got me involved in treeing squirrels, and I quickly found out that I liked that better than treeing coons. Okay. 
through that. So it was probably back in the late 1970s. Mm-hmm. And then we got through this thing called life with getting married and getting kids and moving to a bigger, right. <laughs> more more populated area to make more money and do this and that and got out of the tree dogs for many, many years. And then uh, kind of a funny story with Annie, when I uh, got out of the tree dogs, I gave my dogs away to the guys that I hunt with because I thought that was the right thing to do rather than sell them. Mm-hmm. And when I, when I moved back to West Virginia and got settled in, I seen one of those guys that I had gifted a dog to. And I told him, I'm like, you know, I, if you ever come up with any of this night, I'm probably ready for a tree dog pup now. So several months later, he come and seen me, and he said, you need to come to my house. And he had had an accidental breeding with a West Siberian lackey male. His cur dog had got in the pen with it and got bred, so they had a, a, some misfits pups. Yeah. And my Annie is snow white with a pink nose, doesn't have a brown or black hair on her. Every hair on her is snow white. Really? And uh, <laughs> she, Yeah, she was the only white one of the litter. The rest of them had the flop ears. She got the pointed ears like the lackeys and this and that. Yeah. So, of course, I chose the misfit. And uh, within my head, I was going to just have a companion to walk in the woods with and maybe turn a squirrel now and again, not get into it too big. But she wasn't. She wasn't hearing of that. She said, we're going to do it. We're going to do it big. And she just, I mean, she turned on really, really quick. And that got to train a lot of squirrels, this and that. And so I started carrying her some of these competition hunts that they have here for for, for squirrel dogs. Mm-hmm. Within the first year, she had made squirrel champion. And wow. then before she, before she was a year and a half old, she had made Grand Squirrel Champion, and before she was two years old, she made Super Grand Squirrel Champion, which is uh, as far as you can go, meaning, you know, winning hunts and beating dogs in her class and this and that. Well, then she was voted uh, WTDA Dog of the Year for 2017. Wow. So, so she uh, really, really came on. And then uh, so recently, meaning... In 2020, there's a group here in the States of outdoor TV personalities, enthusiasts. Uh, Michael Waddell with Bone Collector, uh, mm-hmm. Jackie Bushman with Buckmaster, and all these guys. And they put on a hunt in Tallow, Alabama, where Gamo Air Rifle uh, supplies to air rifles and ammo, and they choose 4-H kids, and they take them in the woods to hunt squirrels and they call around the country and they choose what they think are some of the best squirrel dogs in the country, mm-hmm. put two dogs with each of the six teams through that. So I got the phone call and asked what I bring Annie down. Mm-hmm. And I thought that was a big honor and then getting to go hang out with these guys too. So of course I said, yes. And two weeks before we were supposed to go, they called and they said the dog that I was supposed to hunt with something is up and ask if I can bring another dog. So mm-hmm. I took another dog of mine named Hammer and the other, other we'll talk about here in a little bit mm-hmm. and we go to Tyler, Alabama and we meet everybody this and that. We look at all these world champion dogs, these super dogs and this and that and I've got my you know, misfit dogs there that's just West Virginia farm dogs <laughs> and we hunt on we hunt on Tuesday and we do pretty good and they're getting some attention. And then on the Wednesday hunt, you've done really, really good. 
is when it was all said and done, they announced that Team Realtree had mm-hmm. won the competition, to which that's the team that was on with mm-hmm. my two dogs. They won the Squirrel Master Classic. Wow. Which Michael Waddell says that's the World Series, that's the Super Bowl, that's the College National Championship. He said that's as big as it gets. So Annie, along with Hammer, was able to win that in 2020. Wow. So, uh, that's that's amazing. That's that's so cool. I mean, what a... Yeah, you know, and she was an accidental breeder, breeding, just a misfit dog. She, uh, a lot of times when we travel, she rides up in the front of the truck with me. When we travel, she she sleeps in the hotel room with me on the bed. But, you know, when she gets turned loose in the woods, she's all business. Right. Let, let me ask you a question about that. It, you know, you you mentioned having her up in the truck with you and, 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 and keeping close to you. And is that is that sort of a key aspect of your how you train a dog is just getting that getting that connection with it getting spending the time with it not just out hunting but actually the one-on-one time and just everyday everyday situations probably myself more than others because i mean i see a lot of people get pups and they put them in a pen and they go out and they get them out again and they take them in the woods and they bring them out and this is that and i personally can't do it i have got Nanny, and I've gotten Rowdy, and I've gotten Hammer, and I've gotten each of those puppies at eight weeks old. Okay. Yep. And uh, and my big thing is the very first day I get them, they're in the house with me, they're sitting on my lap, I'm petting them, I'm rubbing them up, I'm this, this, that. And when I go to Lowe's, the, the, the lumber store, mm-hmm. they go with me, they're on the lead, they're being socialized, they go through the store. When I go to Tractor Supply, they go with me, they go through the store everywhere I go that they're allowed to go they're with me and we spend a lot of time bonding and in my mind that gets the dog wanting to please you sure and every one of my dogs everybody that hunts with me says those dogs hunt for you don't they I'm like yeah they hunt for me like this morning it was hot and we was in rugged rugged country and I sat down on a log for a while and my buddy was over there taking pictures, and I'm like, what are you doing? He said, your dogs ain't even hunting. He, he said, they're there loving on you, leaning against you. I'm like, well, I'm sitting down. I don't want to hunt now. He said, but other dogs are out four or 500 yards, and you got to worry where they are. I'm like, well, my dogs get out there and hunt. He said, I'm not saying they don't get out there and hunt, because they do. But when you sit down, they come and sit with you. I'm like, right. well, yes, they do. So, right. so yes, yeah. I think bonding... Bonding is a big, big part, and and I take pride in knowing that out of three dogs that I've gotten as puppies, uh, I told you about Annie's accomplishments. Rowdy made squirrel champion before a year. He made grand squirrel champion also before a year and a half. Wow. And that's in WTDA and NKC. He placed eighth in the UKC World Hunt, and he won the bench show at the UKC World Hunt. Wow. Wow. And that's solely because they want to please me. Right, right, right. I mean, that makes total, total sense to me. It's it's always how, you know, I've, I've not accomplished nearly, nearly as, you know, not, not even close. But, you know, it's it's the, I, I like to have, I like to have that connection with the dogs that I'm, with the dogs that I'm running. I like to have them in the house. I like to have them living with us. Um, because it's exactly as you say, you know, when, when, 
when things get tough or even on just, you know, basic obedience type stuff, it, it, it makes it so much easier and so much more pleasant to be out in the woods hunting with them when they're not, when it's not like I'm handling strangers, you know what I mean? It's, it's, they want to be with me. They want to please me. And I think that makes all the difference when we're talking, you know, talking these, 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 those aspects of training. Um, right. Um, one so, thing with my dog, dogs that a lot of people notice when they hunt with me and they've hunted with other dogs and some of my own dogs, uh, I'm down in the southern part of West Virginia where it's pretty rugged terrain, steep and mm-hmm. and rugged, rocky and rugged. And occasionally the dogs get off somewhere and get treed in an area that is just not feasible to try to even walk to to get to. Sure. And a lot of these guys, regardless of how much effort it takes and how much time it takes, they have to go to their dogs and hook a lead on them to get them off the tree to get them back mm-hmm. through that another. There's nowhere my dogs go, and no matter if they're sitting there looking at a squirrel, if I call them, they come to me. Now, if I don't call them, they'll stay there for two or three hours, however long it takes for me to get up there around to them, or we can sit down and eat lunch or whatever, and they're staying treed. But when they hear me call them and tell them it's in a hole, they come right straight back to me, whether it be 50 yards or 300 yards. Right, right. And that's that's all part of the bonding right right so so annie is your is your uh your oldest dog is that right she was the one you got when you got back into it right yeah she's five years old and then rowdy is the yeah. next oldest or is it ha- uh hammer that's the next oldest? right right rowdy is the next oldest and i had looked for a train tennessee rental they're a rare rare dog mm-hmm. and i'd looked for one for six months and Two of the ones that I had booked a pup with, one of them, the female, died and lost the pups. And then the other one, all the pups were stillborn. So I got a phone call or actually got a text one night on a messenger thing there that there was one in Blacksburg, Virginia, that a guy had backed out on. And I didn't ask him a price, didn't ask him nothing. I just got up early next morning and drove to Blacksburg, Virginia, and bought this eight-week-old puppy. And, and then he's turned out really, really good. That's so rowdy. Then, uh, rowdy. Yep. Yeah. Yep. And yep. he was doing really good, and his name got out there, and people got to knowing about him. So there was another tree in Tennessee, Brunel female, over in uh, Roanoke, Virginia. And that guy contacted me and said that his female was in heat because he drive over and breed to Rowdy. Mm-hmm. And I asked him about his dog, making sure his dog had the right temperament that I was looking for and was a tree dog. And I mean, you know, wasn't just some pet or just some junkie dog. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I got satisfied that the dog was a dog that I would breed Rowdy to and not be ashamed that Rowdy's name was attached to the pups. Sure. <laughs> so, well, a lot of people like to breed, but they're oh, just yeah. breeding what I call brood gyps because they got a good name and they got good papers and Absolutely. i don't put stock on that i want the dog to be working i totally totally so, agree i totally agree i uh i i will occasionally look at grandparents but for the most part i'll look at a dog uh you know and, and this goes back to my years running sled dogs you know because um, i was a dog musher for 20 years 25 years you know it was you know there were there were so many dogs out there with just perfect on paper they looked perfect 
but you couldn't uh, you couldn't do anything with them. So you know, you, it's yeah. something you learn pretty quick. I think if is at least I learned it pretty quick with the dog mushing, uh, and I oh, yeah. took it with and me to the hounds for sure. That I, I want to see what those parents are doing first. Well, you me, and, and I mean, I've bred Rowdy to three females, and uh, my charge always is a pup, and mm-hmm. my pup from the Rowdy days of breeding was Hammer. Okay, yep. And yep. And, and that was the first breeding, and he's done uh, a, a exceptional. He was squirrel champion at 10 months. And has never looked back. He's as hard as tree dog as there is in the country. I mean, he just absolutely ballistic. He didn't go on the grand champion or this or that because I quit competition hunting. Okay, gotcha. not that he didn't have the capabilities. The other two breedings that we done with Rowdy, uh, I chose the pups and I gave them the youth hunters. Oh, okay, They're gotcha. Kids, because I'm not into selling dogs. I want to see kids get dogs with good potentials in their hands mm-hmm. but they they will get the dogs out and yeah be able to enjoy the sport that i enjoy right yeah that was something that uh when i asked around who i should uh who i should talk to that was one of the things that made me uh, contact you is i i had several people say that you, know, you need to talk to ronnie he does a lot for he does he's a you know he's got good dogs and he does a lot for the youth the youth hunters and I, uh, it's one of the reasons I contacted well, you. Yeah. That, yeah. With that said, uh, I told you the uh, accomplishments that the dogs has done. And then when we went down and won the squirrel master classic, I come back mm-hmm. home and my wife, I mean, God love my wife. She is an absolute saint. She puts up with so much for me being <laughs> gone and spending time with these dogs and missing birthday parties and missing family dinners and, and, and all this kind of stuff and ordered me out with my dogs. I mean, yep. she just takes it in stride. But uh, when I got back, which it was a 13-hour drive in the snow back from Tyler, Alabama, mm-hmm. I, I, I said, well, I'm done competition hunting now. I, nothing else I can possibly do to top what I've done. Mm-hmm. She said, so what are you going to do now? I'm like, now it's a hundred percent completely committed to kids and getting new people involved in the squirrel woods. That's so, uh, that's what we've done. And, and I traded off several of my, what I call adult guns. And I've gotten youth Mossberg 500 with the youth stock on it. I've got CZ over and unders with the short stocks on them. I've, got two or three different 22s with shorts, some with open sights, some with scopes, this and that. Yep. And I take these kids out and we work on shooting safety and shooting fundamentals and learn how to adjust sights, open sights, yep. and learn the difference between shotguns <laughs> and 20 gauges and 410s and full chokes and improved chokes. I mean, spend a lot of time with the kids going over that, that stuff. And then uh, last year, we was able to get... 25-plus new kids in the woods. And I say 25-plus because some of these kids brought friends with them that I I hadn't talked to them about coming. But, of course, they say, uh, can my cousin come? And I'm like, well, sure, your cousin can come. So we've taken them out. And then there's a group uh, that I never even knew there was such a group. There's groups of nut farmers that grow 
oak trees and and hickory trees. Okay. In order to produce nuts, and these guys, I mean, they actually plant a walnut in the ground and watch it sprout and watch it turn into walnut tree and and start producing these things and they graft them and I, I mean they're really precise on exactly what they want sure. to produce. Huh. So uh, a lot of them has problems with squirrels. Oh gosh, I bet they do. So there's a guy in the next county down from us in Monroe County, West Virginia, that had planted a bunch of <clears throat> prime walnuts and has been dug up by squirrels. Okay. So he contacted me and asked me if he got a damage permit, if I could bring my dogs down and help him with the squirrel problem. And, of course, I did, and we got rid of some squirrels, and it was really cool. So then uh, with the pandemic going on, the COVID, mm-hmm. he decided to do a nutting to-do festival and invited all his nut farmer friends from all over the East Coast. <laughs> nutting to-do, I love the United that. States, I, I, I guess to come to this nothing to do festival, and they asked me to come up and do some demos for them. There and to do a talk on these squirrel dogs. Mm-hmm. So I show up and this is an amazing festival. I mean, they're playing old time instruments that they've made and oh, cool. got dwarf drums, and they've got uh, cardboard laid out on the ground, and they're flat footing on the cardboard, and they've got a fire going and. They're cooking with uh, walnut oil and all this stuff. Oh, I mean, cool. just an amazing bunch of people. And there was probably uh, 25, maybe 30 people wanting to go to the woods with me with these dogs and watch all these dogs work and watch what they do. Mm-hmm. So we went to the woods and we treated some squirrels and shot some squirrels out and this and that. And these guys have reached out to people in their areas now to try to help them control the squirrel situation on their nut farms. Sure, sure. So, so that's a cool thing. And that's another so thing cool, come yeah. Up. That's so cool. I mean, that's, it's, that kind of stuff, I, I love that kind of stuff. You know, I'm the, I'm the youth uh, rep at, for the local, um, the local hunting club here. And, uh, you know, it's, th- th- there's nothing better than dogs to get kids involved. You know, you can oh, try absolutely. to get them out, you know, you can try to get them out doing these other things. I mean, some of the kids love to go moose hunting. Some of them love to go, you know, fishing and that kind of thing and fish, you know, and those things are both great. But, you know, the, 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 the thing that gets the most kids out is, is the, you know, in, in my case, the hounds, you know, I, I, I hunt, um, I hunt red fox over here with, um, with my running, my running walker. And um, now, the the dogs are just now, such a nice it, way to get the kids involved. Yeah, a little bit on the squirrel dog. Okay, mm-hmm. uh, the coon dogs here they go sometimes thousand fifteen hundred yards with the coon and tree it, and in the terrain's not real friendly. And then our bear dogs, we, we hunt bears here with dogs, and and they're running sometimes for miles and miles and miles. And of course, you're in the pickup trying to figure out which road to take to get closest to the dogs and this and that. We're squirrel dogging. Usually your dog, my dogs, now there is dogs that go eight, nine hundred yards. My dogs are usually within 300 yards of you. Mm-hmm. And when they hit a track, they, they usually tree it within 30 or 40 yards of where they hit the track. Sometimes 100 yards, but usually 30 or 40 yards. And when these kids mm-hmm. over here get involved in hunting, 
they go in a blind or in a tree stand and they sit there and they look at a pile of corn for six or eight hours, hoping a buck comes by that they can shoot. Mm-hmm. They're bored, they're cold, they're counting how many grains of corn's on the ground. They're doing this and that, or turkey hunting, same thing. They're sitting there. They've got to be quiet. They can't talk. They can't wiggle. They can't squiggle. When they right. hear a squirrel dog with me, they get on grapevines or swinging down over the hill. They're throwing rocks in the creek. They're hunting lizards. Right. They laughing, they they talking, and these dogs don't care. And when them dogs bark, them kids like racehorses going through the woods <laughs> to get to them dogs. And and just like when I sit down, if these kids happen to sit down on a bank or this or that, these dogs is up in there and they're licking them on the face and rubbing up against them and this and that and stuff and other. So this deer hunting or this squirrel dogging is completely different than getting a kid involved deer hunting or turkey sure. hunting or this that because you know all that stuff is intense and a lot of times they get bored and they get cold and they're like nah, i ain't going tomorrow this squirrel dog it's fun whatever they want to do they do it and then the dogs is just you know doing their thing right right i mean that's that's awesome and i mean that's another reason i guess why it's it's the socialization you do with your dogs when they're when they're pups taking them everywhere with you and getting them used to people is also you know, such a, such an important aspect of, of, of what you do is it just makes it so that they're, they're so good with people that they're going to be those, you know, great canine citizens that get these kids bought into this, you know, it's, um, absolutely. that's, that's really, we, uh, I love, I love stuff like that. Each state here in the States for years has had a national hunting and fishing day celebration event. Mm-hmm. And the one, the one in West Virginia has been up at uh, Stonewall Jackson Resort for several years, and then they they moved it this year. And there's much going on that I didn't get to go do it. But uh, part of that event we done was squirrel dog demos. Okay. And it always drew it always drew a big crowd, people that didn't know about squirrel dogs and didn't know nothing about it. And what I would do is take my show benches over and set each of my dogs up on the bench and talk about them and their breed and what to look for when they would run the squirrel and what to look for when they treat a squirrel and and this and that. And then the Department of National Resources would trap squirrels, and we would have them there, and they'd release them and we'd turn the dogs loose, and the dogs would go down in the tree. So I was always happy to be part of them demos and be able to, you know, introduce people to squirrel dog in that way that they could actually see when they was they had an event like that. Sure, sure, what sure. Squirrel dogging was all about. Right. Uh, before before I forget it, one big thing we've got coming up. There's a uh, organization over here called Fallen Outdoors. Okay. Which its mission its mission is to get veterans involved in an opportunity to be involved in outdoor adventures such as fishing or uh, pheasant hunting or white hunting. The very first squirrel dogging adventure that they'll sign up for a lottery draw to be part of is November 13th. And myself and my dogs are the ones that will be doing the following outdoor for veteran squirrel dogging adventure on the 13th of November. 
13th of November. Wow, that's that's great. Do they have a is there a Facebook page for that or or a place where people can get more yeah. information about that? Yeah, you can Google it on Fallen Outdoor, the F A L L E N, the Outdoors. Mm-hmm. Outdoors. And, okay. And uh I will find that and put a link for link for that in our um in the the episode notes so when it airs people will be able to go and find that. Yeah, we're real excited to be part of that deal. That's such a great deal to be a part of, yeah. I mean, you know, they uh the veterans have done so much for so much for the country. They've done so much for us without asking for anything back. So, and you know, I just I love it every time, anytime, any any time they can we can give a little bit back. It's it's uh, there's just nothing better than that. So that's a great that's a great program. That's a great program. And then if the, oh, it, 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 it is, and these guys are so appreciative to do it. And uh, a lot of us got deer rifles, and a lot of us got this and that stuff like that. When I do this hunt. I'll take a full array of 10 or 12 guns mm-hmm. that the two or three that go with us, they'll get to choose what gun they want, rather be rifle with open sights or a scope or whether they want to carry a 12 gauge or 20 gauge or single barrel automatic, they'll have their choice and I'll supply all the ammo for them. That's great. They're, that, that all they got to do is show up. Yeah. Right. That's, that's, that's so cool. That's so cool. Speaking of um, speaking of firearms, what what um, what's your arm of choice? What's your what's your weapon of choice when you're out with your dogs? Well, I'm going to give you my normal spiel here on equipment. Mm-hmm. Uh, squirrel dogging, much unlike a lot of the hunting that you do, typically involves a lot of walking. Or mm-hmm. in in our country, it's a lot of uh, rugged terrain and that. So essentially, we want short, lightweight, durable firearms. Now, with my, uh, when the leaves come off the trees to where we can see the squirrels, then I typically use a 22 rifle mm-hmm. and just shoot long rifle and ammo in it. Now, squirrel dogging, you're not, you don't need a, 17 HMR with a bull barrel and weighs 10 pounds and, you know, be able to shoot an ats out at 100 yards. Right. Basically, squirrel <laughs> dogs and the squirrels up the tree. You're taking a 30-yard shot. You're shooting off-handed because you don't have a rest. You're not for season shooting. So if you got any type of 22 that you're comfortable with that you can hit a 50-cent piece at 50 yards, it's good enough for squirrel hunting. Because okay. that's, you know, you're shooting quick, you're shooting off-handed, the, the rifle's fine. Now, I use a uh, variable power uh, scope on my guns. Mm-hmm. Right now, my uh, the twenty two I use is a Thompson Center TCR-22, and it's short and light and synthetic and seems like it's doing real good, and it uses all the magazines and all that we're so used to with my five Ruger 1022s, they all use the same magazine. So mm-hmm. uh, somebody was in my truck the other day and raised up my uh, console to get a napkin out, and they found 10 magazines <laughs> for those guns. <laughs> so, but, so the 22 does good. Now, if you're in an urban area or you're somewhere and somebody gives you permission to come in and hunt the squirrels and this and that, and you don't want to make much noise, uh 
a lot of air rifle manufacturers make good pellets. I use a Gamo Swarm Magnum. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, it's, got, it's got a little 10 shot magazine that goes on it where you're not digging in your pocket and trying to set a pellet in the hole every time. You load 10 and, and you can shoot 10 times. Yep. It uh, got the scope on and all, and it kills squirrels just fine out to 30, 40 yards. Oh, wow. Do that. You choose, you go through some different ammo, see which ammo the pellet rifle likes to shoot better because they're really sensitive on that, most of them. And if you buy a new one, sometimes you have to shoot it a couple hundred times before it seems like it starts doing like you want it to do. So don't get discouraged with it the first time you take it out of the box and it's, you know, throwing a flyer down again. It will straighten up, most likely, if it's a quality air rifle. Sure. Okay. Well, that that that's really interesting. Huh. Yeah, uh, the I find the air rifles really, really interesting because they're not even allowed. We're not even allowed to hunt with them over here, um, which is really a shame because there's some great, you know, we do some of the small game hunting with with rabbits and and you know up to, you know, and then a few people even hunt squirrels. Um, but you know, we're we're real few and far between uh, the people who who will go out and actively hunt squirrels. Um, and it would be, it would be honestly be nice with an air, to be able to take an air rifle, especially in some of these a little bit more urban areas where, where, you know, people might get a little bit bent out of shape. You might get, you, you know, you might get somebody from the, uh, what, what do you want to call them? The woke crowd kind of getting all over right. about, uh, killing something sweet and cuddly, <laughs> you know, but, uh, yeah, I hear you. It's a great, uh, it's a great tool that I wish we were able to use over here. Um, but I had a, um, uh, go ahead. Now, when the leaves are on, like this time of the year over here, we typically carry shotguns Mm -hmm. because the squirrels tend to stay up in the top of the trees. And when you see them, you just see a flash of them moving around or this or that. They're really hard to find, really hard to see. Mm-hmm. Through that, it's difficult to get a good shot on them with a the rifle. So we carry shotguns. And my choice of shotguns are the 20 gauges, those are the 12, just because basically they're lighter mm-hmm. and the ammo's lighter to carry. And the past year or two, in fact, what I'm carrying now is a Turkish made gun, a CZ uh, Drake over and under, mm-hmm. and the all terrain. To finish, which is to carry coke and it's bulletproof and this and that. And the reason I like to carry an over and under or even one of my double barrels is you got two chokes. If the squirrel's out there at 40 yards, then you can shoot the barrel, it's got the full choke in it. And then if the squirrel's just up there 25 yards or whatever, then you can just shoot the barrel, has got the modified choke in it, you know, not put sure. as much pellet in doing as much damage. So I right. like carrying the two barreled guns, whether it be side by sides or over and under. Now, one thing with the guns, if you're squirrel dogging and you're carrying it a lot, this and that, I always carry a walking stick because I'm old and fat and <laughs> you're out terrain and, and sometimes you're in mud and this and that and you want to stick a stick in, see how soft it is, whatever. All of our guns that we use have to have a sling on them that you can carry uh, that, that gun on your back in a sling yep. across your chest mm-hmm. so, so that you can be comfortable if if you go to the woods with one that ain't got a sling, you're fighting that thing all day. Sure. Yeah, hundred percent. Hundred percent. So slings are real important. Mm-hmm. Uh another thing when you're squirrel dogging that just almost essential to have with you 
is a good pair of binoculars. Uh, I use a 10 by 42. A lot of people use an 8 by 40. Mm-hmm. So that because typically out of 10 squirrels, your tree, when you look at the tree, you may see the whole squirrel twice. Other than that, you see a foot wrapped around a limb or you see an ear sticking up or you see a little bit of the tail blowing in the wind. You're not going to see the whole squirrel generally. And right. if you don't have that magnification, then it's hard to, it's hard to find them. And you may say your scopes, you know, your gun's got a scope on it, this and that. It works in a bind, but it's not near as good as having a pair of binoculars that you can throw up and scan the tree with. Sure. So binoculars are, are important. Then, uh, if you, uh, are, are taking kids out for, squirrel dog run or any kind of hunting it's real easy sometimes to walk and look in a tree and you look and you say ah there he is up up there in that fork and the kids like what fork i'm like right up there i don't see it well even an adult because sometimes my buddy tries to show me a squirrel and i can't see it and he says that's they're the biggest light we carry a laser light oh that's really smart that is powerful enough in the daylight you get out there and you can just shine right on the base of the tree. If I've got mine turned to green, you can turn to green or red. Yep. Mine's turned to green and you can go up the base of the tree and the kid or the adult is following the light up the tree and you get up there where you need to and then you move it to the left and you move it out to that fork and you stop right there and you say, light's on the score. Oh, I see it. I see it. That's brilliant. So, that, so whatever kind of hunting you do, if it's something, you know, that you're fairly close to or whatever, a laser light is, I mean, it, it's worth us waiting gold out there. Oh, absolutely. I never, ever would have thought to do that. That is, that's, that's genius. <laughs> oh, well, I, love, I love that. And, yeah. and I don't mean to say it in a negative way, but I got into the laser lights when I was in the competition hunting. Mm-hmm. Because in the competition hunting, you, uh, your dog goes out and you hear your dog bark and you call your dog tree and then you you and the judge and the other competitors, you know, you've got three dogs in each cast. You walk to a tree and you're looking for your squirrel and everybody's supposed to be looking for it. And at least two people have to see the squirrel before they can score it and give you plus points. Okay. No, no I can't say for sure that it does happen, but hypothetically, you and I out, we're in a tight race, my dog trees. The agar there, and I say, up there on the left-hand side, I see it. And you're like, I don't see it. Right. I'm like, right up there, I don't see it. So I don't get the points. When I've got a laser light, I can go up the tree, I can go, I can put the laser light on it. And guess what? You see it. So I get the points. Right. That's That makes sense. So, I mean, yeah, that that seems like, uh, that, that that makes total sense. Total, total sense. So, <clears throat> yeah, because there is an aspect so, of human error to these uh, competition hunts that I... Uh, that I, I I don't really like. Um, it's and that's that's a great way to keep it uh keep it fair. Right, but and I like I said I moved out over to taking the other people hunting because I'm used to seeing a squirrel and when I, I can see a tail or whatever and you know, I don't see it but I can show them that way. And then sometimes I can walk around the tree on one other side and shake a bush or whatever it makes squirrel move around and they're looking in the right place to see that squirrel at that point. Right. And then, uh, I just mentioned walking around the side of a tree when I've got other hunters, I'll touch on another point when I've got, 
hunters with me, especially a group of hunters, like I'm going to Ohio uh, October 8th to take a group of 15 out. Oh, wow. And and some of them and some of them will be shooters, and these veterans that come down will be shooters. Mm-hmm. Uh, blaze orange is not required to squirrel hunt, but when I'm going around a tree and I'm down in a holler or I'm up on a hill through that, and there's people on the other side of the tree and, and things are going on, it's good to have that immediate visual rather than looking down at a piece of camouflage leaning against a tree and not realizing that somebody's standing there. Sure. So that we like to have a little bit of blaze orange on that we can acknowledge that, you know, Joe's over there and Jill's over here through that. So in squirrel dogging, it is fairly important to be able to be seen. Yeah, I can see that. Yeah, absolutely. Yep, absolutely. What, um, when you, when you, like, I don't know a whole lot about this, so I'm, I'm really interested to hear some more. What, when you go out in the morning, what, how long are you expecting to be out for? I typically back home by noon when I leave. So mm-hmm. out for three or four hours. But now on Sundays, I really have a good time on Sundays. My dog will, all my dogs will road hunt, meaning we've got a lot of mountain roads back here mm-hmm. with no traffic on them and no houses, no power lines, just, you know, rugged mountain roads through mm-hmm. that. But they're smooth enough that you can drive across them, you know, 10, 15 mile an hour. Sure. So, uh, I put my dogs out of the truck and they run up in front of the truck and they're hunting on the right and the left and they're flashing back across the road, this and that, and you're listening to them, this, this and that. And we tree several squirrels that way. But also at the same time, as I'm driving this road, there's a lot of what I call flats there that I'll park the truck and get out and I'll make a little 30 minute hunt mm-hmm. on the right hand side of the road. And then I'll come on back, and if the country's going to get rugged for the next four miles, and I'll put the dogs back in the dog box, and I'll go four miles and set them back out and road hunt them a little bit. Or if there's a good flat on the left-hand side, then I'll park the truck, and we'll make a 20, 30, 40-minute loop over to the left. Sure. So it just depends on which area that's going to hunt on how long that you want to hunt. Like this morning, I knew we was going to do this podcast, so we went out uh, – the earliest morning, uh, you know, Annie put nine miles, or whatever, on on her collar. I walked probably four miles, four and a half miles, maybe to, mm-hmm. to another. So, with squirrel dogging, not like turkey hunting where you got to be there, and you know, you're afraid you're going to miss something, or a deer hunting, you're sitting in a blind, and you don't want to leave because you're going to miss that deer coming in, or, or whatever. Squirrel dogging, you know, you just kind of suit it. Uh, what your schedule is and if you get off work early one day and you got a an hour and a half before dark take the dogs out if if something comes up and you got a doctor's appointment at 11 and you don't have to be to work till one take the dogs in the wood at seven o'clock get back to the house at 10 mm-hmm. change clothes and go to your doctor then go to work sure there so it's real adaptable with this squirrel dog that's really ideal yeah are squirrels like are they are they mainly nocturnal or how what are i feel like i see them all the time do they have a pattern in terms of when they're most active during a day or a 24-hour period well they say they're most active for an hour after daylight and then an hour before dark Mm -hmm. 
there you, at time or another. But, I mean, we tree them 10 o'clock in the morning, noon, 1 o'clock, 2 o'clock. It's not, I mean, we may tree a few more, you know, early or late or another. But, yeah, you. I mean, if you only have a window to hunt from 9 o'clock in the morning till 1 o'clock in the afternoon, don't pass up that opportunity to go because there is going to be some squirrels moving, you know. Sure. Okay. Uh, that makes sense. And are the dogs picking up on, you know, I, I would, in my head, I kind of picture them as fairly hot-nosed. Is that is that fair to say, or will they will they trail a cold trail um, to find to find a fox? Like, how is how is that working? Like, we treed one this morning that, uh, and not discounting Annie at all, because Annie's a really good squirrel dog, but she, down in there and come through a, an area through that, and then just four or five minutes later, the hammer come through that area, and hammered, opened up on a track a little bit, and Annie went back down there in Rowdy, and you could see him there's working the track and moving right and left and checking this tree and checking that tree and this and that. And after about 10 minutes, they finally locked in on a tree and treed to another. So uh, right, a lot right. of times the cur nose is maybe just a little tiny bit better. Mm-hmm. So that, not that the lackey like, doesn't have a good nose. Mm-hmm. But we don't encourage running a cold track because you've said in your deer stand, and you said the squirrels is want your height, you hunt. Yep. And these squirrels, as they go through the woods, you see them jump up on this tree, they go up four foot, five foot, and they jump back off, and they go to another tree, and then they jump on this log, and they run across this log, and then they jump off there, and they're up on a stump, and they run around the stump a little bit, and sure. they're back to that log, and this and that. So, I mean, it's a real Real complicated, yeah, for, real complicated track. For yeah. the, for a dog to figure out the track. So we like for them, you know, to get a hot track. Uh, a lot of times their noses are good. They can even wind them through that. Now, when I'm roping these dogs, sometimes they go through that, and I'll see them stand up on the back legs and do a complete spin around with their nose and then dive off down over the hill and go down there 50, 60, 75 yards and nail a tree sure. through that where they've winded that, that squirrel down there. Right, and right. and they've got the squirrel, and that's what we ideally want. As far as like tracking a coon or a bear, you know, and tracking through, it's just such a problem to track a squirrel because they don't go in a straight line; they're up on everything in the world. Right. They're there, so it's not real desirable to have a cold nosed hound type dog on a squirrel. Okay, because they're going to use all day figuring out something that yeah. You know, yeah they're gonna wait lose opportunities by being stuck on something cold it sounds like yeah yeah pretty much uh that but uh yeah and, and then there's dogs w- with the better nose like right now the squirrels aren't on the ground much here in west virginia okay because most of the nuts are, are most of the nuts are still in the trees yep yep so you could probably kill you could probably kill more squirrels right now going without a dog, going to a good place that you look around on the ground and you see cuttings laying underneath trees where the mm-hmm. squirrel's been eating the nuts and the, the debris's been falling, and find you a good place to sit down and be quiet and just sit there and be still. And you could hear the squirrels working up in the trees and spot them and shoot them mm-hmm. through that. Now, some of these squirrels these dogs are treeing now, they're just treeing what I call layup squirrels. The squirrels are up in the trees. They've not even been on the ground. 
Sure. They don't need to come to the ground. All the food's up there to another. So this is a difficult time of the year to hunt them because they don't have to come out of the trees. Sure. And there's many leaves on that you can't, that you can't see them. Right. The prime squirrel hunting time is after all the deer hunters leave the woods end of December, and then you've got January and February here in West Virginia that you pretty much got the woods to yourself. Right. Right, right. And then, then uh, the nuts are on the ground at that point, I would think? Yeah, the nuts is on the ground, and there's yep. no leaves on the trees. Right, right, right. So when they do run them up a tree, you can search the tree and see it pretty good. Now you've got all these, you know, the squirrel typically, this time of year goes up the biggest tree, and then you've got all these smaller trees around that that you can't see through their leaves to see up in the top of the big tree. Right, right. Plus the big tree's got leaves, and squirrel can get in any of them cluster leaves and you never see it. Sure. How important is um, how important is hearing uh, where, for the dogs when they're hunting squirrels? Are they are they ever sort of doing a layup based off of the sort of scratching of their claws of a squirrel's claws on the bark? Annie, more so than Rowdy or Hammer. I've seen Annie, and you can watch the difference in them. Annie hunts when we road hunt. She stays probably 150 yards in in the front of the truck. Mm-hmm. And I think that's so that the sound of my tires on the gravel isn't disrupting her. And I've seen her go down the road and just freeze and turn and she'll cock her head sideways and cock her head right. And mm-hmm. then she'll take off down through there and goes. And those squirrels, she hasn't winded. She's heard them squirrels. Okay. And I think she can hear the toenails going up the tree. That's where her hearing is intense. She's got the pointed ears and you can see her ears turning. This and that. And that's more so with Annie than it is with Hammer or Rowdy. Uh, do they have floppy ears, those two? <laughs> no, uh, Rowdy and Hammer has more of uh, the hound-type ears. Yep. They're not as long as a hound, but, but they hang down like that. Sure, sure, yeah. sure, sure. That makes sense. That's really interesting. When Let's let's take a, a little step back here. When, when you're talking about training uh, a squirrel dog, I, I had a conversation with... Um, a guy who just got a squirrel pup. He's he's on Instagram. Um, Our numinous nature is his tag on Instagram. He just got himself a squirrel dog pup that he's uh, that he's training up. And he had a couple of questions that he wanted me to ask you when he, he heard that I was uh, I was going to be interviewing you. And one of those was, um, do you when you're starting a squirrel dog pup, are you starting with drags? Or are you starting with a squirrel and a in a tr- in a live trap, or are you just starting it right on the ground on 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 squirrels? I really don't do a cage to mount to anything. Mm-hmm. So that I mean, I have had them around uh, these. The, I guess the arc kind of a trap. They got a compound that they put a squirrel in after they catch it, and it's a long tube along the ground, and then the tube goes up a tree. They make it out of a wire mesh type of deal through another and some people use those what i typically do is uh it seems like my pups are never at the age to where squirrel season is in when they're puppies mm-hmm. and and young but around here we always find roadkill squirrels where they run out in the road and somebody runs over them sure they're, they're they bump their, they bump their head and they die mm-hmm. and i'll typically find a fresh roadkill that's not tore up too bad and I'll bring it home, sure. and I'll make a drag with it. 
Yep. Or in, in, in then die hanging up in a tree. And of course, praise the puppy when he's on it. This and that. The big thing with puppies is they are puppies. Mm-hmm. And if they, and if they're taken to the training and doing well for five minutes and then they get bored and they start wanting to play or whatever, then stop the training, wrap the squirrel up in a bag, throw it in a freezer, let the puppy play, play with the puppy, do what he does. And then a, a day later, whatever, get the squirrel back out, let him plow out a little bit, mess with the puppy again. It, uh, this not as not to burn the puppy out sure. that, and make it fun for the puppy and let the puppy understand that it's a positive thing for him to do that. You know, that's something that you want him to do and that's something that you're going to praise him to do. You're really not scolding him for anything at that point. If he turns away from it or he doesn't stay on the tree or this, that, you're not scolding him because he's still, you know, not supposed to be doing that. Right. Right. He's still doing well. Sure. Yeah. So that that is typically what I do to start them. And then the guys want them to tree well and this and that. Through that, even if you don't have a squirrel and you want them to get started, train well, this and that. I've been known to get a hot dog and, and tie it on a string and tease the puppy with it, give him a bite <laughs> of it, and, and then drag it up a tree. Sure. And he's there, he's jumping around, this and that and that and this. And when he barks, then I'll tear off a little piece and I'll give it to him. Sure. Oh, that's and, great. And then I'll drag it back up the tree. And he barks again, I'll break another little piece off. And then what he does with that is he relates to looking up and barking at something that he wants that's sure. going to turn into that's going to turn into a squirrel. Mm-hmm. But for, but but by this early training, when he realizes that he goes to a tree, he looks up, he sees something he wants, he barks at it, he gets a treat. Then that's what the hot dog is doing, or anything that you got handy. You don't have to be a hot dog, but something that is encouraging to the dog. Sure. That makes all kinds of sense. Yeah, absolutely. What, uh, you talked a little bit about the age of your dogs during se- during the season. What, what are the seasons there? Our season for squirrels came in, youth season come in two Saturdays ago, regular season come in last Saturday, which mm-hmm. was the, the 11th. Okay. Uh, so, uh, and it goes in here in West Virginia until the end of February. So we've got a really long season. That's but, great. Uh, Are you able to train uh, during the off season? Do you do you train during the off yeah. season? Yeah, I train year long. You're allowed to train dogs the whole season, okay, the whole year. So you'll go through the same yeah. process as as during the hunting season, just without a gun. Right. Yep. Right. And then, uh, very often with a young dog and your buddy, they're even if you have to put one in your pocket that you've had in the freezer. But uh, we'll go hunting with young dogs, and we tree a squirrel and shoot it out and let the dog chew on it, this and that. Then I'll often put it in a handy pocket, and we'll go on to the next one. And the young dog works a track, this and that, and gets on a tree, and he's treeing good, this and that, something that you feel like that you'd want to shoot a squirrel out if you could find it. Mm-hmm. But, you could, but you can't find a squirrel. Very often, I'll catch the dog where he's uh, got his attention on the tree and he's doing what he wants to do, and I'll fire a shot in the air and throw that squirrel that we've already shot up in the air and make it land near the tree to where, in the dog's mind, you shot the squirrel out of the tree. Right, right. Oh, that's great. And I've done that several times. 
That's a great way to, uh, that's, that's such a good way to train them. Yeah. That's, I love that. Yeah. Yeah. It's all about positive on these dogs and with the cur dogs and especially the trans Tennessee brittles, they don't take discipline very well. Okay. Are they, they don't just, take, are they, they, are they soft they or do they get kind of moody or what's how, how are they responding, responding to it? Yeah. I mean, just like if, you squalled at your wife, you know, screamed at her this and that, and then she's not going to be very accommodating to you for a little while. You know, she's going she gonna to turn away from you, go to another room. Right. So, that, you know, now these hounds and the, uh, that I've had, you can kick them, thump them, squall at them, pick them up by the collar and throw them down through there and tell them to go hunting, and they go on. They don't care. Right. But the cur dogs are more sensitive. You know, you got to be a little softer with them. Even my dogs, you know, if I get a harsh, loud voice at them, and this and that, then you can see, you know, they're usually they're standing tall and their head's proud and their eyes are bright, this and that, and you scold them a little too heavy, and, you know, their head drops and their tail drops, and, you, you know, they just not they're, into it. Sure, they're feeling it. Yeah, I get that. I get that. Yeah. Yeah, so in, it's the brains that they've got. You know, these dogs... The lackeys and this and that, in my experience, their only purpose in this life is to please you. Mm-hmm. And if going and train squirrels is what pleases you, then that's what they want to do. If they think that they've done something to displease you, then, you know, they're pretty un- unhappy about it. They're just not digging it. Sure. M- sure. More so on this type of dogs than maybe the hounds that you've been used to yeah i mean the the i've got i've got a funny little group going here right now i've got one running walker who um hunts just for the just for the fun of it i think she she just likes to be out there if i let her go on her own she would be just as happy as if when i was with her i got her as an adult and she was my first town and then i've got this other this other uh russian hound cross um named buzz that i've talked about quite a bit on the podcast and he's he's real soft he's kind of unusual amongst the hounds i've hunted with in the sense that you know if i clear my throat a little too hard he's gonna be like oh dang i've I've screwed up here you know he's so he's he gets real kind of cagey and then i've got a plot who i mean gosh i think i could tie that i I think i could tie a cinder block to that dog's collar and he would still he wouldn't skip a beat. He'd just go off, keep doing his thing. You know, he's uh, he he's yeah. as hard headed as it's possible to be. I think, but um, you know, I I I honestly prefer. I I prefer just in in terms of mentality. I kind of prefer the 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 running walker, just in the sense that I don't need to be heavy handed, but I don't need to be you know sunshine and butterflies all the time either you know she's she's gonna be she's gonna be able to do her thing kind of whether i'm whether i'm there or not um you know the the downside to that being that you know she occasionally can just decide well you're going a little too slow so i'm out of here and you know we'll suddenly be three miles away on some track and have just left me in the dust (laughs) yeah yeah and uh now these cars and you know it ain't so soft that you can't you know 
right. scold them a little bit, but, but you just can't be very ag- aggressive with them. They don't, they don't like that much. Sure. So that, I, a little bit of a funny story with Annie that just happened last weekend. Uh, I was contacted by a young man and his six-month pregnant wife up in western West Virginia, which is a two-and-a-half-hour drive for me, mm-hmm. that they wanted to go out with squirrel dogs. So I drove up there. Uh, take them squirrel dogging, and we went squirrel dogging. This six-month-old young lady went out and bought her a shotgun night for it, and she did get to kill a squirrel. And uh, I mean, her day was complete. She was she was really happy. But at one point, Annie was 270 yards away from us, looking on the Garmin mm-hmm. throughout another, and we was going to change direction because we was getting over near a road and was getting near some other property that we didn't have permission to be on. So I called her back, and typically at 250 yards, 30 seconds a minute, Annie's blowing by you going the other way, just wide open, you know, just a white flash. Well, I was watching on the Garmin, and she was just moping, just really, really slow. And she got within sight of me about 50 yards, and she had her head down and her tail down, and, I mean, just almost tripping over the leaves. She was just walking so slow. Gotcha. And she comes to me and didn't look at me just now. I'm like, oh, my God, she's been bit by a snake or something. Something's terrible happened here. So we laid her down and rolled her over and checked her feet and her legs and checked her belly and everything and couldn't find no marks on her. But she had all this black scat on her. She loves to roll in bear scat. <laughs> and typically I scold her pretty heavy when she rolls in bear scat. So uh, once that I petted her up and this and that and stuff like that, the other she, she took off. She just fine as wine. She doing just the same as she always does. But when she come to me with bear scat on her, she thought she was in trouble. Right. <laughs> and uh, I mean, she just like a kid coming at you, you know, that got mama's lipstick all over their face right. and it's all over the wall. They knew they fouled up, and she knew she had messed up. And of course, it's the yeah, white that, dog that does that, right? Oh, yeah, Snow White. <laughs> Snow White. But, but she loves to roll in, in that stuff. That uh, One little funny story. Another one, Fanny. Yeah. We went to Ohio to an NSD hunt, which is a pretty high-profile squirrel hunt mm-hmm. through that. And she done real, she done real good on Saturday. And just having a pro shootout on Sunday. So we decided to stay and do the pro shootout. So mm-hmm. I called me and got a motel room and instead of driving home. Well, when we had hunted that day, we was in a lot of swamp country up in Ohio flat and, and the water just laying there stagnant. And man, she was black. I mean, she wasn't pretty snow white anymore. She just black <laughs> all over. So uh, I go in the motel office there. It's just, just a little small mom and pop motel got like 10 or 12 rooms all ground full level park at the door you know mm-hmm. there so i get the key and i walk over and i let annie out of the truck and she walks up to the door i open the door she never seen this motel nothing i mean knew nothing about it through that so i open the door i walk in and i set my bike on the bed i'm like where's annie i went in there and she's standing in the bathtub <laughs> she knew it was coming so I got the soap and washed her and this and, this and that and uh, spread her blanket out on one of the beds. Washed her, got her rinsed off and dried her. 
And then when I was going to stop the tub, I'd come back and she was sprawled out on her bed, on her blanket. <laughs> she knew she was dirty. She knew she was dirty and she, and she didn't want to be dirty. So she went and she was standing in about what I got there is the funniest thing. That's too funny. Wow. That's a smart dog. Wow. That's uh that's a smart dog. Yeah. Hmm. When when you were doing you had done squirrel dogs and then you took quite a long break, you said, when you moved to a more populous area and things like that before you moved back to West Virginia and got got back into right. squirrel dogs. Were you running these um these treeing Tennessee brindles back back then? Yes. Is that why you wanted the that breed again? Yeah. That's exactly there there's kind of a rare breed then, and then uh, when I got back and started looking for them, there just wasn't any. There was less than 250 of these in the nation in oh, 2017. Wow. Uh, the Trent Tennessee group is a tight-knit group, and they kind of traded dogs amongst themselves, but they really didn't sell any dogs. Mm-hmm. So, you know, they just kind of kept them to themselves. And uh, the Trent Tennessee Brennell, they're... Started being developed back in the 40s. Uh, there was uh, a traveling preacher named Phillips that traveled all over the country. Okay. And he, his mission was to build the best tree dog that he could possibly build. So he bought and traded and probably stole <laughs> bulldogs and hounds and regular cur dogs and feist and sure. bird was, dogs. And was he breeding for. Was he breeding for squirrel hunting, or was he breeding for coon hunting? He was breeding for tree dogs. Tree dogs, like just pe- period. Sure. Okay. Yep. Coon hunt, squirrel hunt, bear hunt. Yep. Yeah. Tree dogs. So he finally got to where he he had the right temperament. This and that. He, he wanted the temperament that these dogs has got, meaning super friendly, super social, mm-hmm. this and that. Uh, he wanted to get to size 40, 50 pounds. He wanted the blockhead. He wanted the brittle collar. He wanted the medium ears. It's not, and I mean, he spent years and years doing this, him and his sons. In 1967, Trent Tennessee Brown will become recognized by the NKC okay. and in a, in a facially uh, become a breed. But, uh, most of the cur dogs you hunt with around here has got bobtails and the ears is a little shorter, this and that and other, whereas the Trent Tennessee Brennell's got the long tail and the ears a little bit longer and this, this and that. So, and I've hunted with guys with the cur dogs and they'd be looking at their garment. I said, there goes so-and-so. He's 600 yards going hard doing this and that. And they're like, where's your dog? I'm like, he's 150 to the right. right. And, we'll, and then we'll go a little bit further. I'm like, where's your dog? I'm like, he's 140 yards to the left. So that you know, they're not a straight line, get going, go deep dog. They hunt all the way around you like a bird dog. You're on your right, your left, they come in behind you. Mm-hmm. It's not, and that's what I like here in West Virginia is I don't want a dog going 800 yards because I can't get to it. Sure. I mean, that makes, that 800 makes sense. Yards, right. 800 yards to the east here is down two haulers and up two haulers. <laughs> right. I mean, you know, up and down, rigid rain, you've done changing elevation. 300 feet twice yep. just to get to the dog. Yeah, so, it sounds like here. it's um, And that that's challenging. You know, it, and it, it, I was talking to, um, gosh, who was I talking to about this? I guess I was talking to uh, Jared Moss about this the other day. 
and a little bit to um yeah anyway it doesn't matter where people talk about breeds and they talk about you know the the dogs that they want but it's so rare when you're talking about what a, a good dog is that people talk about the terrain that they're act that they're hunting and what's going to be a good dog in the swamps of florida is not necessarily going to be a the same quality dog you know in in the area that you're at because the terrain is such a different it's such a different animal oh yeah when i was involved in competition hunting I tried to haul, hold some big competitive hunts down here, you know, in my mind I was going to. And when I would post about them and ask about them, I wasn't getting any response of anybody wanting to come. And then come find out, you know, these guys living up here in northern Ohio where the lands are flat and living out in Indiana where the land's flat and this and that. They didn't want to come here to West Virginia because their dogs, you know, going 700, 800,000 yards. Right. <laughs> Those dogs wouldn't be able to hunt down here. You know, they'd be useless. They're so... Anybody that wanted to attend these hunts down here was few and far between. You know, they just didn't want to subject themselves to the abuse of trying to get to their dogs. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah, so, that, that makes sense. That makes sense. Huh. That's... Uh, it's that's There's some really interesting stuff here. I am... Um, I'm a little bit curious about the, you know, how, how often in that kind of rough terrain, because I, I find that, you know, I'm not necessarily able, that's why I have three hounds now, because here in Norway, I'm only allowed to run one dog at a time. I can't run multiple dogs. Um, so I had the one hound and found that I was not able to get out hunting as much as I would like to because of just the, the physical baiting that they took running around, you know, doing these runs and, uh, in this kind of terrain and got a second dog and found that, you know, I still wasn't able to hunt as much as I, as much as I wanted to, they could do, you know, they could do two, three days a week without any problem. But once I got up into the, you know, the four or five days, they were getting pretty foot sore. You know, what, how often are you able to run each individual dog there? Um, well, I typically, just cause I like hearing them all, this and that, is I take all three of my dogs out at, at, at the same time. Mm-hmm. Now, uh, usually in two weeks' time, uh, then I'll take Annie out by herself once or twice, and I'll take her out every himself once and, and hammer her out, out occasionally. But I take them out. They're in these dogs in this terrain because the woods are, you know, full of leaves and it's, it's that, you know, it's not real rocky that type of terrain it's soft to another i could run these dogs on friday saturday sunday all day i mean you know what i call all day but it's nothing like running a fox you know where they're running you know or bear that they're running 20 miles right but, you know my dog a typical big day for my dogs is 12 14 miles sure yeah so, i mean and that was yeah that makes sense and that was the length of my run this morning with uh and that was just a short morning for, for me with a running walker, you know, and she's... Yeah, and that's theoretically, you could run these dogs every day. Right. That's great. I mean, that's... Yeah, because they're not abusing themselves to any great extent, you know. Right. That I mean, that, I mean, that makes sense. Yeah. Especially with, um, you know, with them sticking a little bit closer to you and, and not, you know, not doing those thousand yard runs. It, it's got to make it... Um, 
a little bit easier to keep tabs on them and also pick up on sort of small injuries and things like that. If, if they, if they have some kind of issue, like you said, you know, when, when Annie came back to you all covered in mud and you thought maybe her uh, covered in, you know, manure and yeah. you thought that uh, maybe she was bare, you know, snake bit or something like that. It, it's, it, it must be a little nice to, to know that if something goes wrong, you know, on heaven forbid that. Um, right. They're not that far away from you. Right. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Uh, I want to mention another thing with these dogs, and I'm sure that you see it too mm. with yours. Uh, and I mentioned earlier that my wife is an absolute saint to understanding what I'm doing. You know, <laughs> the key people that may be listening to this and may be tuning in and thinking that they might would want to get a squirrel dog. Uh, mm-hmm. If you get a puppy and a young dog or whatever, mm-hmm and you're not hunting it enough, the normal person, not hunting it e- enough that the wife gets mad at you, you're, you're probably not hunting that dog enough. Right. <laughs> and if you're not willing to make the commitment of, you know, missing a birthday party or missing maybe a ball game or this or that, I'm not saying, you know, like miss the kid's championship game or something like that, but, you know, right. missing the niece's, the niece's birthday or something like that. If you're not willing to make that commitment, Another, then you're probably going to do the puppy and the young dog uh, injustice by doing that. And you may be better off to get with somebody like yourself that's, you know, got dogs that you're running or myself that's got a dog that's running and get with me two or three times a year and go out and enjoy the squirrel dogs. If you're physically or financially or time management-wise not able to com- to make the commitment to put into the dog mm-hmm. to make it what, what you want it to be, then it's probably a bad choice to the dog. Absolutely, yeah, I, I couldn't agree with couldn't agree more with that. That it's, I mean, it's there. There are so many people that kind of fall in love with the with the romanticism of of hunting over a dog. You know, whether it's a bird dog or a hound or a squirrel dog, or you know, and and I I understand that. I mean, I was I was absolutely snake bit by the romanticism of of you know hearing hearing the hounds. You know. The balls echoing off the, you know, the, the valley sides was just enchanting to me. Um, but I knew I had the time, and I knew I had the the you know ability to make that a priority, and put the time in. And you know, my dogs have tons of flaws, and I'm still you know I'm still a rank beginner and figuring all this stuff out. And I'm lucky you know lucky to have the opportunity to talk to people like yourself and 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 you know pick your brains a little bit. But it's it it's true that if you don't have if you can't make a dog a priority, you might get that one in a thousand dog that just starts d- clicking on its own. But the chances are you're going to end up disappointed and doing that dog an injustice. Bye. Yeah. There's been a lot of people say, my God, you've been lucky. You've got three dogs. You got them all as puppies and they're all top dogs. Yep. And I tell them I'm not lucky. I'm not lucky. I got puppies that I thought maybe had a little potential and I spent hours. I mean, I've wore out pair after pair after pair of boots and hundreds and hundreds of hours taking these dogs out and doing it. I mean, like you said, made it a priority to make it happen. Mm-hmm. Yeah. There was some luck involved that the dog stayed healthy and, you know, when the dog had a little bit of aptitude to, to want to get it done. Oh, sure. But it's, it's a commitment that you need to make. Now there is people out there that don't want to make the commitment and they, want to buy a finished dog, a dog that's ready. Mm-hmm. And some of those people are, are so disappointed. Some reasons, like we talked about before, 
you live here in West Virginia and you go down to North Carolina and you buy a finished dog, and that dog's not hunting anything like these dogs up here. I mean, they're going this and that, and it's not long before you're frustrated with it. Mm-hmm. Or I don't know how it is with some dogs you do, but there's so many dog traders, I call them over here, that don't hunt, Yep. that buy these dogs and buy them based on the papers, Homer bred and this and that and stuff like that, and then they'll advertise them as a finished dog, and you'll spend out your money. Now, squirrel dogs, I mean, your puppy's going to run from $300 to $500, and your finished dog, and your, and your started dogs, your dogs that started but not finished, is probably running 1500 to $2,500. Mm-hmm. Not, and you'll pay up to five, six thousand dollars for a finished dog, sure. and more for that, you know, in a, in a high strung competition dog. But you'll expect to pay twenty five hundred to five thousand dollars for a finished dog. Uh, and there's so many of those dogs that's advertised as finished dogs. It's not finished dogs at all. Right. So the recommendation mm-hmm. is, of course, if you can. There again, it's all about commitment and giving up a weekend or whatever, or taking a day off work to drive where that dog is and hunt with that dog and watch that dog in the woods, see what that dog's doing, and buy the dog, what we say, buy the dog under the tree, meaning yep. buy the dog doing what you're buying that dog to do. If you go on what the man tells you, and then you get a dog hauler to ship the dog up to you, and you send the man the money, and that dog shows up, man, there's so much of that goes on that you're like, oh, my God, what did I just buy? Right. So just be really, really careful if you're buying finished dogs. And if you're wanting to buy a, a puppy, just make sure you got the time to put into it. Right. Absolutely. And I, I think that also, you know, the point you made before uh, about it, try to get out with people who know what they're doing and who have, you know, have good dogs or have at least, you know, dogs that are capable of getting it done. And get out, you know, ideally with a couple of different people and just with a couple of different types of dogs and and try and figure out what you want first. Because, you know, I, I know the things that I look for in, in a dog, just in terms of biddability and how, you know, how they relate to me, the kind of, you know, the, what I, the, the, the sort of key things that I look for in a working dog, regardless of what kind of work it's doing, whether it's hunting or, or shepherding or, or, um, or, you know, pulling, um, you know, it, 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 it took me quite a long time to find the dog type that I was looking for when I started getting into the hounds. And I'm so glad I did that work because it, it would have been really frustrating to end up with a dog that I didn't click with or a dog that I didn't, you know, didn't, that didn't work the way I wanted it to. Yeah, because, I mean, you... Possibly you, the family, get bonded with the dog, and then the dog's not doing what you want it to do in the field. And then you're faced with, uh, well, do I break the family's heart right. <laughs> and swap the dog off, or do I put up with this nonsense when I don't want to? Right. You know, now, I know that my misfit dogs, there's probably the majority of the dying wool, diehard squirrel hunters out there, my dog wouldn't suit. Mm-hmm. because my dogs is fashioned to the way I want to hunt. When I sit on a log, like I said, they come and sit with me. I, when they tree, it's not to stay. When I call them, they'll come to me. Some people don't want them to come off the tree no matter what. And they want their dogs, some of them to hunt, you know, 
four, five, eight hundred yards, I don't want my dogs hunting on. So there's a lot of people that my dogs wouldn't shoot at all. Right. But you know, they shoot me perfectly, and it pleased me. And it's not so. Yeah, like like I said, if you're looking at different characteristics and this and that, go out and hunt with different breeds and different breeders and different people. And if you're thinking about getting a dog out of their bloodline or whatever, do the research and put your time in and find one that's going to suit your style. Because us old 61-year-old fat guys <laughs> don't want the same dog that the 22-year-old you know, guy that weighs 140 pounds, gun her out there. We don't want the same dog. Right. And that makes total sense, you know, and, and I, I think that that's something that people are going to need to take into account before they get a dog is what, what do they actually want? You know, it's, it's too vague when you say, well, what do I, what, what do you want? A squirrel dog? That's too vague. You need to have a little bit more information, a little bit of a better idea of what you're looking for. I, I would imagine with the squirrel dogs as well as any other type of, you know, working dog, um, you know, knowing at least a few a few criteria of what you would ideally like that dog to be able to do. And your expectations may be plumb over the top on what you think a dog would do, that there's no dog possible can do that. Right. But then again, you know. Yeah. No, it's, it's, uh, I, with the, with the Huskies, I always recommended that people get an experienced dog. I always thought that that made the most sense, you know, because I I feel like you can learn, a rank beginner can learn more from an experienced dog um, before they get into, you know, getting puppies and needing to teach those puppies. You know, it's hard to teach a puppy when you don't know what you're doing at all. But I, I've, I've actually yeah, found that with... That. Go ahead. Yeah, your experienced dog knows more about mushing and, and pulling a dog sled than your novice dog sledder does. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. And, but I've, I've found with the, with the hounds, at least, at least for myself that I've, I've really, really enjoyed the time that I've had with dogs that I've had from pups that we've been able to, uh, I don't know, maybe figure, figure each other out a little bit quicker than I was able to figure out my, the adult running walker, you know, cause she, she didn't know a whole lot when I got her and I didn't know anything at all. And we, we, it was kind of the blind leading the blind there for quite a while. Um, so I, I, you know, I think, I think there's something to be said for, um, for starting with, starting with an older dog, but also, you know, it's, um, it's hard to get that great connection that you get with the pups with that older dog. We were hunting this morning. Mm-hmm. Back up there, and as we come out of the woods, there's a big oak that kind of stands up there by itself. And I relayed to uh, Michael, the guy that was with me. We took his nine-year-old son this morning. But uh, yeah, sir, I relayed to him when it's coming out. I'm like, that tree right there is the very first tree that Rowdy treated a wild squirrel by himself on. This and that. I said, I brought him up here. Rowdy got to run around, barking a little bit, sniffing around, this and that. I said, while he was doing all that, I looked up in the tree. I said, and I seen the squirrel. There another, and Rowdy made a big loop and went down there and this and that. And he finally come back and he locked on that tree and was sitting there barking through that with his paws upon the tree, barking this and that. I, I said, and that's a moment with that dog that I'll never forget. In this tree, every time that I walk past it, I remember that that, you know, that little pup, six months old, locked up on that tree, barking at that squirrel, this and that. And that's a, a memory that Rowdy and I share that we'll never 
forget seeing the pride in that dog when I shot that squirrel out and he got it through another and then the pride in myself knowing that my dog just done that is is just a feeling that is hard to beat absolutely yeah i i I totally know what you're i totally can understand what you're talking about yeah it's 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 um it's one of the great things about working with any type of dog i think is 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 creating those memories you know you've got memories with a pet Absolutely. But, you know, going, going out there and actually accomplishing something, this sort of the sense of accomplishment that you get with the working dogs that you just don't get with a, you know, with a, uh, you know, a couch potato. Oh yeah. Set and give me your paw and bring me back a ball. Right. Right. It's, it's not, you know, I I did the obedience thing. It's actually how I got into, you know, any kind of dog training in the first place was, uh, was with a Labrador when I was, you know, seven training obedience you know and we did a couple of little obedience competitions and things like that but you know that was you know for a seven-year-old that was that was mount everest that was conquering you know that was that was unbelievable but you know when getting into the you know i did a little bit of sheepdog training and and did a little bit you know i've done the sled dogs and now the hounds it's it's just the the accomplishment when things start to click when you start to see that young dog starting doing what it's been bred to do and what you've been sort of slowly, but surely with these sort of positive little pushes in the right direction, slowly building it up for is just, there's, there's, there's really no better feeling. And it's, it's really, Oh, it's, it's, it's why I do it. You know, the, uh, that's why I do it. I don't put a lot of pictures out of, uh, the hotel gate full of squirrels and this and that stuff. Yeah. Simply because I, simply because I don't kill a lot of squirrels. I mean, my dogs, they tell you they do good. Yeah, they like for a squirrel hit the ground and then shake it. But there's not much difference to them and that than me rubbing them on the head and tell them what a good job they've done and let's go get another one yep. through that. I mean, I leave a lot of squirrels that I see sitting in a tree through that. And, you know, if they tree and there's two squirrels in a tree, there's no way in the world I'm ever going to shoot those squirrels out. I just would would never do that sure. through that. But, uh, yeah, now the young dog getting started and works the track and does good and does good, then I'm going to do everything in the world I can to get him his reward to show him what he's done. But I don't do a lot of uh, shooting the squirrels and showing big tailgate shots and yeah. what have you. It doesn't mean anything to me. You're my dogs. Yeah, I liked that about um, – because you're on Instagram as um... – Squirrel Doggin, is that your handle? Yeah. On Instagram, yeah. I love uh, I love your page because it is it it is just pictures of the dogs. I mean, pictures of the kids. It it's uh, I I just enjoy it so much because it's not just. I get a little bit tired of some of the gripping grins, you know the the like as you say tailgates full of uh, tailgates full of dead yeah. squirrels and things like that. Like it's impre- it's impressive on the one hand, but on the other hand, it's like that's not really what interests me. It's, it's, you know, how did the hunt go? Okay. You got a lot of squirrels down, but you know, how did it go? And I I really like that about your Instagram profiles that, you know, you you get a little bit more of a feel of, you know, what went into just, or just what it, what it is to be out there. You know, it's, 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 uh, we made around this morning with this nine year old boy and we didn't kill no squirrels. mm -hmm. We treat a few. The morning highlights was 
he had his own pellet rifle, mm-hmm. and his dad and him had a shooting lesson in the woods. We actually hung a dollar bill on a tree, and, and when he'd hit the dollar bill, he'd get to keep it. Okay. <laughs> uh, and then uh, dogs treed on a old hollow snag through that. And, I mean, he was out with me last year. He didn't think about it. He got him a stick. He went down and he started beating on that old hollow tree through that, you know, trying to make a squirrel run out. That was yep. a huge highlight. I mean, what kid don't like to get a stick and beat on a tree? <laughs> right. <laughs> through that. And then they treated on another one, and uh, there's a grapevine going up in the tree. And, of course, that's a real asset to squirrel hunters. You can get a grapevine and start pulling on it, and the leaves will shake and the nest will shake. It's not, and sometimes a squirrel will grow out. So on the Instagram page from this morning, there he is. He's got a hold of a grapevine looking at me, and he's pulling the grapevine, trying to make the squirrel move. So that's a, I mean, this is why I go. Right. Just, you know, watch a kid beat on a tree and pull a grapevine and, you know, learn about shooting and, you know, just, you know, killing a sack full of squirrels doesn't mean anything to me. Right. Right. I mean, what I, I honestly, I mean, it, what you're accomplishing by doing stuff like this is, is, you know, you go out and you kill a bunch of squirrels, you may have food, I mean, which is, which is definitely worth having. But what it seems like, it sounds to me like what you're doing is you're ensuring that there's a sec, that there's going to be another generation of squirrel hunters. And that's... Well, that's what we're trying for. Yeah, I mean, and that's so, so crucial. It's so important. And, you know, you making it, making it so that it's about the kids, making it, you know, accessible to them and sort of digestible to them in a way that it, it can be difficult to make deer hunting digestible to a nine-year-old you know i've got a nine-year-old who loves to go deer hunting and we had a we had a really rough moment last night where we stalked into this to this field and there were deer there and there was even a little buck it's buck season right now but he was real young he was real small and he was standing you know not broadside he was standing with his front directly towards us and it was a shot that i easily could have made made and I had my son with me and I thought, you know, maybe I should make this, maybe I should, but I eventually decided not to. And that was, you know, he's been with me for many, 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 many hours. And in some ways I think maybe I made a mistake by not taking the shot. But, you know, ultimately I realized that with the caliber that I had and the size of this deer, that if I took a frontal shot, he was going to drop, but I was going to destroy so much meat that it almost yep. would have, it, it, it almost would have been, sacrificing him just just so that just to shoot something out for a young dog you know just to shoot something out for my young son and i maybe yep. i sh- maybe i should have but it you know with the with the dogs it's so much easier because we went out again you know we went out this morning with the hounds he was with me this morning with the hounds and we had a great time didn't even see anything but had a fantastic time and he can't wait to go out the next time but he's still bummed that we didn't that we didn't get a deer you know it's 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 uh the the dogs are such a great way to get them bought in it really is oh yeah the dogs is is it and he he can hopefully the son uh learn the next time he's with you and a deer standing brought out a quarter that you can get that good rib shot stuff on him and then when you field dress it and he'll get to see it and you can explain you know the bullet went in here come out here you didn't ruin your tenderloins your shoulders your hams right you know you just got rib meat this is not explain, and then he'll realize, well, well, that deer was standing facing you, you know, that that 
ethically wasn't a good, would not have been a good shot. Right. Yeah. And I, I, hopefully yeah. we'll get that opportunity again, but, um, it's, it's so much easier to make it digestible for him. You know, it's, it's it, it, to, to, to meet him on his level when we're out with the dogs than it is when, you know, we're out just oh, stalking yeah. around. Absolutely. Well, we've been going Absolutely. for about an hour and 40 minutes here, Ronnie. I really, really appreciate <laughs> you. We have. I, I, it's, it's one of these things where I've, uh, I've gotten feedback that I need to keep a track of the time here because I can sit down and I've, I've had four hours go by a couple of times where it's like, oh my gosh, I, I think we probably should stop at this point. So, but, um, cause I can, I mean, I can talk to people like yourself all night easily all night but i appreciate you so much for coming on the podcast it was been it's really been great to talk to you and learn a little bit more um or i mean not a little bit more i knew nothing about this squirrel dog and thing and i i have been following you for a while and wanted to knew i wanted to talk to you and um i really appreciate you coming on well hopefully your feedback's good on it and it'll get somewhere that i can read some of the feedback and oh absolutely i'll send you a I'll send you over a link as soon as it goes live. And, um, like I said, I'm going to put, I'm going to put a link to your Instagram and I'm going to put a link to the fallen outdoors, um, event on November 13th, um, in the, the comment or in the uh, description of the, of the episode and in the descriptions on Facebook and Instagram. So as many people can find you as, uh, as possible. Well, it's been great talking with you. Likewise, Ronnie. I really, really appreciate it. And we'll, uh, I hope you have a great season. And I'm sure we'll talk soon. All right, buddy. All right, bye. Man, I love that sound. <laughs>